Hey everybody, we at Podgave Rock and Roll Do You want to make it clear that we don't mean any offense by our comments, critiques, or opinions. We're not music critics, just buddies that use talking about music as an excuse to hang out. Also, our language is intended for adult ears. Enjoy! Cause I'm in the shed house Wish I played in a rock and roll band Somebody give me a dollar bill So I can pass out on the jukebox singing Honk, it's all women <laughs> Well, 2023 guys, uh, bringing in a new year I will turn 40 this year, just want to throw that out there But Finally more importantly, <laughs> I will join you guys in your 40s, but more importantly, we have a new addition to the Podgave Rock family, Neil. Yeah, we got a new future fan, hopefully, um, little Donovan Lawrence Marsh. He was born on December 21st, and it's been quite a Merry Christmas having a new little friend and uh, son in the house. <laughs> a new little friend. You're like, friend first, son second. <laughs> well, that's, yeah, that's, that's going to be my philosophy. You're like, that's the kind of dad. Well, actually, I'm supposed to be bad cop. Oh, yeah, that's that's not how that's going to play out. I'm pretty sure your wife knows that. Uh, <laughs> I know. That's why she's trying to, like, flip it immediately. But uh, <laughs> Well, you won't, you won't be able to determine that for a few years. Are you going to give us a, a weigh-in of any sorts? Yeah, yeah. He was uh, 6.10 pounds and 20.5 inches, which is apparently pretty tall for a little baby. So hopefully I have a little rock star basketball player on my hands. That's what I'm hoping for, but... He'll probably want neither of to do either of those things. You know, I think that's how it usually goes. <laughs> hey, you never know, man. You never know. Now, did he come out with a full full head of hair? Yeah, Unlike he's got. Me? Yeah, he's got a nice head of hair. It's <laughs> it's um, you know, it's not bushy, but it's but it's nice. He's already styling. It's not bushy. You're already like it's gonna be straight hair. No, no. His his style has been decided already. It's gonna be a little chin uh, patch of hair. Sure. And <laughs> a 90s grunge cut. Is he going frosted tips there? Possibly. Because I feel like at some point in, in his life, his dad, uh, Neil, had frosted tips. Neil? Never, never frosted the tips. Um, I had okay. the little... Kellogg's frosted tips. I think I've done some crazy shit. Uh, I had the vanilla ice stripes, like the little shave stripes in my hair. Um, what else? <laughs> I've always had good hair, as far as I'm yeah. concerned. So. Oh, look at you. <laughs> Not modest about that hair, I see. <laughs> oh. But you can see why Josh might think that you might have had frosted tips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can okay. see that. I mean, you are, you are a Sublime fan. Come on. I uh, knew where you grew up, and uh, it is one of the smallest towns in all of Maryland, in the mountains. Mm-hmm. And I was very shocked. I want to get my ass kicked up on frosted my tips. <laughs> <laughs> Probably, but I was shocked at how busy and how fruitful the tanning salons were in the middle of the mountains <laughs> of Lavelle, Maryland. Have well, either yeah. of you guys ever tanned? No. I did. I mean, I've in the sun, tanned. yes, yes but yes. like in a bed, I, no. I tanned. It was one of Not surprised, um, Mike. Not surprised. the most oddest feelings I ever had uh, <laughs> doing it. <laughs> I just I did it like once or twice for the just to see what the the supposedly the cool kids were doing it. I was like, I guess it's not weird. And then I went and I was like, this is the weirdest thing I've ever done. But the 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 warmth of it feels pretty good in a cold sure. city. So I kind of understand that you know. Yeah, okay. The, okay. Yeah. 
Well, uh, welcome, young Donnie. Yes. To to the world. Donnie. And congratulations, <laughs> <laughs> Neil. But we did just come through the holidays, and and uh, did any of you guys? Well, Neil, I know you didn't travel. Mike, did you go anywhere? Uh no. Stayed home. Had a nice little quiet, so, quiet Christmas at home. So listening got- to my version of White Christmas on repeat. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could I could see that. That's what I assumed <laughs> you would be doing. Yeah. Um, well, I'll give you a quick update. I did travel to the hospital for a three-day stay ah. um, and um, got home on Christmas Eve. Basically, the doctors kind of wanted to keep us maybe one more day. Yeah. And Daddy was like, no, it's you're, time you're, to go. It's time stay- to go. <laughs> Grab your meds and let's <laughs> pack your bags. Your staycation was over? Yes, uh, but it was. It, we had a great experience. One of the nurses told us we had the nicest room at Cedar Sinai. Somehow there was Ooh. overflow, and it was like this room that Spielberg built for like um, pediatrics. For his wife. <laughs> uh. It was amazing. <laughs> but then the last night they put us in a a standard room, which was like a broom clo- a shit broom closet after what we were in. So that's, that's why, why Daddy was, was ready to go. You're yeah. like, no. No, this, this cot from the 1940s isn't doing it for me. <laughs> that was that was little. Donovan's first lesson at the at the crash course in life. One minute you're in the lap of luxury in Spielberg's postnatal room, and next minute you're in a broom closet. Yep. Mm-hmm. Ah. It, at least you guys avoided the 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 hell that was traveling this holiday yeah. season. Yeah. How'd you fare? My first sets of flights were Southwest. Oof. Coming back was United, a, a six thirty a.m. Monday morning flight. So I woke up. At four, got mm-hmm. to the airport at five fifteen, delayed flight. Six hours later, the desk agent leaves, and somebody in the in the around the gate was like, "Hey, I just got it on my phone that the flight's canceled." Oh, the desk agent had left, and so Oy. then you then you start walking through the terminal and trying to talk to an agent, and they're like, "Are you on this flight?" And you're like, "No, my flight was canceled down there, and the agent left. I can't talk to you unless unless you're on this flight. Here's a QR code you can go to. <sighs> go to the QR code. It's like somebody will be in touch with you soon." And then, you know, did the call, waited up for an hour, got a ticket. They were like, oh, we don't have another flight for you until Wednesday night. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? So there's a flight to Houston that's leaving in 30 min- in 40 minutes. I'm going to go see if I can get on standby. Mm-hmm. I go, and I don't know if people know this, but 30 minutes for your flight, if you have not checked in, they release your ticket to standby people. One guy had not, and I got the ticket. Like, literally sit there and counted down the seconds with the agent. And uh, he was like... Uh-huh. So I got on the flight, get on a standby from Houston to L.A. later. I'm third in line. First guy doesn't show up. There's three empty seats. The two of those empty seats come, like, pretty much after the time limit, but they gave them to him anyway. One girl ahead of me gets on. They bring her off the plane, and they're like, you didn't pay for this ticket. So she's like, gets on the phone to her boyfriend, calls him. She's breaking down in tears. You didn't pay for this ticket? You didn't pay oh for it yet? God. And they're like, all right, man, you go. <laughs> I was like, oh, I feel so bad for you, but not really. Is there a shorter version of this story you can retell with all of the gold and not all the actual minutiae? And that is the end of our podcast. Thank you. Mike was not impressed. I was like, oh, my God. I feel like I'm in the airport. I'm like looking at my watch. What's going on here? All right. Well, Mike, we'll move it along for you. So this is your last week. Uh, Unlike most guests, you've actually – this is your fourth week, um, but it is – your final week, and what we like to do for our guests on their final week is ask a little bit about your musical history. Now, we've already kind of discussed on prior podcasts that we've played in bands with you over the years. Uh, you play keyboard, piano, organ, all that good stuff. 
So uh, what I'll ask you is, what? how old were you when you started playing? What did you start playing first? And how did you get to the keyboards if it wasn't that? Well, I was always a performer. Comedy and acting were my early, early dreams from a very early age. So singing kind of was available to me, even though I wasn't taught how to sing as a performer. As a kid, you kind of have an edge, even if you can't sing. So I sang Fire and Rain in a middle school <laughs> performance. For, and, and as you've already mentioned, a White Christmas. Oh, that's right. And that was really young. As I was five, six or seven or something like that. I sang White Christmas uh, on a cruise. So yeah, I knew I was a performer, but music had never really grabbed hold of me. My parents tried piano lessons that didn't stick, hot cross buns, wasn't for me. Yeah. I didn't really start getting into it until I saw my brother, who's seven years older than me, just kind of sit down at the piano and kind of thumb some Paul Simon songs out and stuff like that. Yeah. I was like, oh, you can just sit at a piano and play. You don't need to know how to play. And, and I, he, we started doing harmonies together and the fun of music started happening. And then it started infecting you. Yeah, and that was like in middle school. But I didn't really sit down on the piano and try to play until about ninth grade. When okay, but that was, was the a, first instrument you yeah, started I, I, Yeah, I was at, I was, my parents bought a baby grand hoping maybe somebody would play it. My mom always loved piano. And um, I ended up switching schools between middle school and high school and didn't know anybody at the new school. And so I would just stay home, smoke a joint, crank okay. on some music and try to play to it like to the dead and nice stuff wow. like that nice okay and so when when what was your first band and how old were you first band would be well first jams were with my friend jordan his dad was this amazing uh harmonica player and he also was a drummer and that was the year between high school and college before i went to frostburg and met neil marsh here <laughs> that was just jamming and then the first band i was in was in college with these hippies that we all kind of congealed college? hippies what i know mountain town we we uh, a core of us ended up opting for you could either do orientation for like the entire semester once every other week or whatever or drum or circle. you or you could do <laughs> or you could do, <laughs> yeah basically or you could do uh a camping trip for like five days and so like I ended up meeting a lot of the outdoorsy kind of hippie deadhead types, Bob Marley, you know. So, and, and that was the whole. I think of Bob Marley because my first band was there called the Brock Williams Band. And he wasn't in the band. He was just, uh, I think I said, mentioned this in yeah. a previous podcast. So, so that was the first real band was that one. And I came up with that name. And I've had a history of coming up with some names of bands. But the next one I was in was Mo Digley yeah, with, with, with Neil. All right, nice. So, so you're playing bands throughout college. You move to L.A., acting, performing. I know we, you know, I mean, you kind of joined our band pretty early for the Kings. Um, you were doing some other stuff. But now you're mostly just a, so, a solo artist. You, you record your own stuff. Yeah, a little of both. I, I'm kind of uh, pretty busy in the jam band scene. I get called to play a lot of gigs as a sideman, keyboardist, singer. So you sit just, in. Just like what we did with you, but with De with like Grateful Dead music and stuff like that. Yeah, So, but you also record your own music that you write and, Absolutely. and, and yeah. record and, and self-release. If you could tell the, 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 the folks listening, like, here's the thing that you should go listen to that I've done. Yeah, well... 
One of the things I'm I'm most feel grateful for was was the opportunity to record with a couple guys from Little Feet and um, some of Bonnie Raitt's band, and we did a song called Old New Orleans about Hurricane Katrina. It's out there on uh, YouTube and my website, but it's not um, downloadable right now because we're going to include it on the upcoming album oh, with yeah. some okay. yeah, and working with uh, Tony Bronigal, um producing and drumming and Hutch cool. Hutchinson on bass and Johnny Lee Shell on guitar. Very cool. So, all right, so we look forward to that. Now, where can folks find your music if they want to listen to it? You can go to my website, michaelrussick.com. You can go to Apple or Spotify or other uh, streaming outlets and find my solo album, which was uh, put out a few years back. Okay, and that's Michael. And you can find that in this podcast notes. You can find his name, and we'll put the website in there as well. So, uh, on that note, you are listening to Pod Gave Rock and Roll to you, and this week we are talking about the various 70s artists that Mike's recorded with recently, because this week we are talking about Operator, That's Not the Way It Feels, by Jim Croce. Croce. It's Croce, yeah. Croce. Uh, from his uh, 1972 <laughs> album, You Don't Mess Around with Jim. Actually, it's You Don't Mess Around with Jim. It's not... <laughs> mislead anyone <laughs> written by jim croce and produced by terry cashman and tommy west and released on abc and vertigo operator or oh, could you help me place this call uh this was actually a late fairing song in my life i really got into this song like 10 years ago, maybe what? maybe more like 13 years ago, Ooh, 20, okay. well, 2010. Late bloomer, yeah, late crochet bloomer. Late let's, bloomer. Let's get the year exactly right here. That's what's most important. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. So, yeah, right right around when I was 30-ish, I got to, to this song. And, and I don't know, I just, I love, I definitely can um, jibe with the unrequited love songs. Mm-hmm. I definitely oh, yeah. write them. I feel them. Yeah, the song just hit me. I was like, I want to sing this song. It sounds like it's in my register. He's making me feel something. He's a storyteller. Yeah. And Are you telling us you have a lot of regrets? I mean, yeah, but why do we have to talk about that now? <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, this is, it's just uh, that longing. I, I love songs with a longing or a yearning, just yeah. like White Christmas and all mm-hmm, that stuff. Mm-hmm. So, Absolutely. Uh, Roll em Easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, another good one. I... I We've only done, I think, one other one. And, Neil, I was trying to think of what it was, but I, I just what? couldn't. What? One other what? Want, another unrequited love song. Like, another one that was this, like, uh, just straightforwardly, yeah. I need to talk to you again. I, I, <laughs> I need see to you talk again. to somebody. Bell-bottom <laughs> blues, you guys did. Yeah, bell-bottom blues. Yes, they, it's sure. I mean, he's going to yeah. crawl across the floor. For you. <laughs> but unlike you, Mike, I mean, the Croce hits were definitely owned by one of my parents. I don't know which one but that was an early an early art i mean that was right there with like journey's greatest hits and i don't know oddly chicago's greatest hits and hell freezes over and stuff like that but i think this is probably my favorite song of his don't rest around with jim and leroy brown they're like fun and but can be a little cheesy sometimes and some of the other slow tunes are almost a little too slow for me but again i like all i like most of them they're all really good but this is just like like gorgeously emotional if I can put those two Mm -hmm. words together and like and like you said Mike it's a universally recognized feeling of like unrequited love that's done so well from a lyric standpoint 
it's mm-hmm. just such a great story. Like it has everything that I want from a lyric. And even though it's dated by some of the references, but they fall into the story is so well told and it's so seamless how, how they are. You know what it's like, you know, when you're learning a different language and you're like, I don't know what that word was, but I understand the rest of the sentence. But just as a song, production, lyric, vocal, music, it's great. I love the acoustic picking pattern and like how it works with he has this aged but like yet youthful voice. And the harmonies are great. Just It's just a great song. I mean, Jim Croce. I grew up on Jim Croce. My parents love him so much. They actually, one of my first songbooks for guitar was complete Jim Croce chord book. Uh, I think nice. the very first thing I ever got because they <laughs> love him so much. And yeah, I, there's like probably five songs I could do from Croce. Um, the ones you mentioned, Josh, like Don't Mess Around Jim and Bad, Bad Leroy Brown. They, they are a little cheesy and more of a, just a fun sing-along. Yeah. But I got a name, time in a bottle. I could go on, but this is. I got a name is 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 the other one that I'll put up there. Yep, and have to say I love you in a song. Kind of cheesy, but really good. It, it is. Very good, yeah. <laughs> and uh, but I do think this is his best. I mean, time in a bottle is probably close. This one, like every time it comes up on the radio or someone plays it or in conversation, it just makes me happy to like be talking about it or hear it. I know ne- I've never had one bad thought about this song. Yeah. <laughs> And it brings me so much joy, as I've talked about before, some of the saddest songs. It's so singable. It's very oh, yeah. complex. There's a lot of, lot going on. Um, well, I mean, just mostly guitar and a lot of chords, yeah. a lot of chord changes, a lot of the me- melodies, beautiful. One of my favorite memories with you, Mike, is us doing this as a duet at karaoke night in the valley like 15 years ago i think you signed up and you just dragged me up you're like let's let's do it let's sing it together <laughs> uh, i think we I wish we had some video we fellas. had a good buzz this is going. probably right when i was discovering it and yeah and train i was trying to train myself to sing better at karaoke and i think we did <laughs> they had some kind of crazy it was like this dive bar we were like in a tiny dive bar but for whatever reason the system they used tapped into like the craziest obscure stuff we sang fat man in a bathtub mm-hmm. that night together too. yeah yeah i've never seen that on karaoke list <laughs> ever living in la with my best old ex-friend ray gosh it's such a new but like you said neil i mean i i was just headphones on singing the song at the top of my lungs, like taking the trash out and stuff. My neighbors probably heard me singing this a couple times in the last two weeks. Yeah, when when the chorus kicks in, that groove and the melody is just like, oh God, you just want to sing it. And then it just keeps going. And like, it's it's a it's a nice, long, beautiful chorus. It really does. Now, let's let's just start off since you just mentioned it, the guitars. I mean, there is, it, that's, the, the rest of the music is great. You know, the, the pounding bass is there. The drums are nice. The piano kind of comes in at mm-hmm. certain parts. Uh, which we'll talk about when we talk about production. But the guitars are where... I couldn't find how many tracks of guitars this is. Um, well, there was at least two, maybe even three. But for the most part, two. It's it's someone playing, picking the chords, and then the, the whole lead part. And then maybe they, yeah. they put some extra stuff in. But Because do you agree? Like It's one of those songs that it's, it's, it's so much going on. There is so busy on the guitars. But doesn't take away anything from the song yeah no i was thinking about that i was like if i if i were to do this josh would be like ease up buddy that's way too many licks <laughs> it's like are you going to do that the entire time i feel I mean, like the treatment of that the treatment of the guitar 
I can't tell if there's one of them is maybe a 12 string, but it has that dulcimer kind of application. Yeah, you I know? think it's just the um, the performance. Uh, I don't think it is a 12 string, but it's got a, a lot of attack to it. I mean, and, and the, I don't know if y'all watch the Midnight Special version, but there, there are two in that one, and it sounds not the exact same, but cl- close enough. Yeah, um, was that the one at, where, where it's like orange? Kind of, he has the orange shirt on? No, he, he's got the... Canadian tuxedo. Okay. Owned. Well, yeah, it, it's a tri- it's a trio. It's like a p- a piano, him on acoustic, and another guy on a, a yeah a, yeah. There's there's one. right. That's Maury. That's yeah, the yeah, other that guy, guy who died in the plane. That, he's incredible. Yeah, it was beautiful. I watched. There's one of him. It's my favorite one of the live ones on YouTube where he's in an orange kind of Henley shirt. I think it's yeah. from like Jim Croce Live, the album. I think they actually yeah, recorded yeah. it as well. But it's fucking beautiful, man. Just. With those two dudes, there's nothing else, and they fill the whole room with sound. After listening to it a lot, you kind of you recognize the bass. The bass is very important in the song. Mm-hmm. And you do hear, like, in the second verse, the piano just kind of comes out of nowhere, and you all of a sudden kind of are, to, for me, it's like, oh, okay, they're kind of putting this up front. I, like Mike just said, just real quick, yep. Maury Mulison is uh, the lead guitar on this. Croce's, obviously, rhythm guitar playing vocals singing playing the vocals <laughs> playing the vocals tommy west who we mentioned as one of the producers is bass and gary chester on the drums but the the thing that stands out it is it, the guitars and i i can't i love the lyric but i mean the guitars are close because I, I i could probably just listen to, to the guitar tracks yeah yeah mm-hmm. and it's one of those um songs from just that time period where the the acoustics there was something about that like these songs van morrison James Taylor, to some extent, there's something different about these early '70s guitar tunes or acoustic guitar tunes that just you can't reproduce it. There's a brightness to the guitars that's like even if it's a sad song, you're just like, <laughs> sounds so nice. Uh, <laughs> well, I guess since we're since we're there, we've mentioned these guys. Touch on the production for a minute. Terry Cashman and Tommy West, who's like. Basically, their careers intertwined, but like you really wouldn't know him from much other than Croce. Like they produced his three biggest albums, starting with this one and, until he died. And, and they were singers and songwriters in their own right. And they really didn't do a whole lot that you would know afterwards, either. But I, I think they do a pretty good job. I, I, there's one thing about the production that stands out, and I don't know if y'all noticed this. His vocal at the at the start of the song seems a little buried in the track. Hmm. No, I didn't notice that. I mean, I didn't really zero in on the production other than the chorus, just how it really just lifts up. Like, isn't that the way they say it goes? It just, I think the first time through, they don't do harmonies really, but it almost sounds like they do because there's so much, so many other things kind of holding them up. That's when the vocal comes up in the track as well. And it stays up after that, but it's almost muddy a little bit at the beginning. Like he's on the phone? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, like like he's on he's on the phone. It's more of a blend than when yeah, the but somehow starts. he sits on top, way on top. Like I, I maybe volume wise and and punchy wise, but that's what's so magical about it. That that so much is going on that you could listen to the guitar track uh, without the vocals, and yet the vocals come in, and I don't miss a word. Yeah, Josh, Josh is focusing on those guitars. Can't get enough. I want. <laughs> Well, no, I want, I want more of his voice in the first one. Isn't part. that the way they say it goes? Well, let's forget all that and give me the number if you can't find it. So I, I was just thinking about it because uh, 
you were talking about, uh, like that maybe that's one of the dated things is this idea of even having an operator connect you to someone else is one of the dated contents. But to me, it only enhances the metaphorical content that was already there. The operator becomes God in the song. Yeah. To certainly. me. Well, I mean, for, for those of you young enough to not know, I mean, I, and I don't, I don't I honestly don't think operators are really in existence anymore when I was born. I, I, my, I know that my grandmother was, was an operator for like 40 years, but to wow. imagine, imagine having to call a station where a, a, a woman was gra- like, hello, basically plugging in guitar cables. <laughs> yeah. And if you're not nice enough to them, the answer is no. I will not connect the call. The, well, the answer is cigarettes. <laughs> Can you believe this fucking asshole? <laughs> Sad sack uh, of shit. <laughs> <laughs> He's crying. He's fucking oh. crying. <laughs> well, yes, I, I, the easy metaphor there is that the operator is, is, is God. But you also like even the, even the notion of using a phone book uh, or a phone booth, a book too, but in this song, mm-hmm. a booth. Using a phone booth to make a call. Like, imagine just yeah. there still being phone booths that you had to go, well, like, yeah, and oh, just, I see a phone booth. I need to call somebody. Turn off the road. I kind of like that you got to uh, call a girl and, like, warm up before you talk to the girl you're actually going to talk to, you know? <laughs> and make sure you're sounding good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, could you connect me to the girl I really need to talk to? I sure can. But how about Great. being so sad you just stumble up to a payphone? Like, can someone connect me to this girl so I can tell her that I'm okay, but not really? <laughs> well, also, you get some, like Mike said, you get prep, but you also get, because again, pretty much every operator was a woman. So you could be like, what do you think about this? This is the situation. And she's just like, I ain't got time for this, honey. Click. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> or like D one oh two connecting. <laughs> she gone. I, she she gone. He did say, and his wife has said that he wrote this when he was in the National Guard at base and watching the guys line up for, to the phone booth and putting in their dimes to see mm-hmm. if like the letter they got was real. Like yeah, what? the dear John, <laughs> the dear John letters, <laughs> dear Jim. which again comes through in this lyric because. He's such a good fucking story t- storyteller. Like the lyric has this quality that so impressive. It's probably my favorite part. I mean, it definitely is my favorite part of the song. It's the ballsiest part. What part? As a lyricist, the old ex best friend. Oh yeah, no, everyone can relate to that. I mean, not only that, but just the way it sounds and to say that and the specificity of it is mm-hmm. so authentic mm-hmm. and it's fucking so and it Ray. doesn't roll off the tongue. It's not a pretty lyric. Mm-hmm. It's an ugly lyric. Best old ex friend, Ray. Yeah, but it's playful. He's taking stuff from like that he's known That's for, Jim and Leroy Brown. There's like you can save the dime, my best old ex friend Ray. They're kind of playful lines that. That really I would say funny too. My favorite part is just after that, where she yeah. she knew and sometimes hated because like that's I don't know, man. That has, <laughs> so that has happened. It's happened to me before, where like I was dating a girl, and she's like, I don't like that guy. I think he's a narc. And cut to three months later, they're dating. <laughs> exactly, exactly. That shit happens all the time. Yeah, are you kidding me? Oh, I hate him. That that's because you really that's that's honestly for for anybody any guys out there. You know, you guys, if your girlfriend or spouse or partner says, I hate that guy, that's like a red flag. I'm like, you're not allowed to dedicate (laughs) that much energy to that guy. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. he's taking up way too much headspace. Yeah, you're going to have to be tepid or lukewarm about it or something. Like, I don't know. (laughs) Well, the other good line, I would say, is the, uh, there's something in my eyes. Mm -hmm. Something in my eyes? You know what happens every time. And, you know, just that metaphor for tears is very 
It, it very plain yeah, plays. The love that clever. I thought would save me. Oh god. But I, it is my favorite. It's my favorite line. I think that was a pretty common uh, statement back in the day. That, that would make. Look at my eyes up. Uh, well, yeah, but even <laughs> even and going back to the dated thing, you know, uh, the number on the matchbook is old and faded. Like, and just think about like a matchbook was your because everybody smoked cigarettes. Like that was your your notepad basically. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Right. Now we don't have matches or notepads. Right. He, in this song, he is a mess. He's all over the place. He's like, oh, I, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. No, never mind. I'm crying. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, he doesn't know what the hell's going on. <laughs> but by the end, he's really happy with how the operators treated him. Yeah, yeah. Keep the dime, baby. Yeah. You know what? <laughs> Things are looking up. I'm already starting to move my attention to you. So therefore, I'm healing. And how long has it been? Are we talking months? I used years? to give the dime to her, but I'm yeah. giving the dime to you today. Pretty much. And it's not really sure if, like, have you changed? Are you saying you can change? Do you just want to talk to her? Like, it's the idea of that anybody can relate to. If I can just talk to her, if I can just see her again, mm-hmm. either I can make her fucking jealous by telling her I'm doing fine, or I can get her back by yeah. fucking back. And what's been the holdup? Why does he have three verses worth? Like, <laughs> she must have sensed that he was drunk and it was a bad call and kind of said, you know, may want to drink some water, you know, take a rest and then call back. And, and then second verse, no, 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 I'm good. Get, 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 get connected. And by the third, he's like, you know what? You're right, I have a headache. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, well, let's just move move to the to the melody. Like we talked about, I mean, it's such a singable song. And, mm-hmm. and Neil, you said it's complicated, but you can really grab an acoustic and play this. Yeah, it's not complicated, but there's a lot of chords. It's not it's not just a one four five kind of thing. It's not, but there's like, hold on, I gotta take this fucking hard toy out of his mouth. Cody. <laughs> Please you gotta keep that. Took it away. I took it away reason. for a reason. <laughs> Operator, she left for a reason. Uh, yeah, she left for a reason. Uh, he's running the gamut of, of basically your he, yeah. one, three, six. There's a two, mm-hmm. four. He does some variations of five, but it's just all chords that you can any, a beginner can basically play. Mm-hmm. There's, no, there's no really bar chords. You don't have. Well, to there's do, yes, like, the there, there, you can stuff. boil it down to a very simple version. But the way they're playing it is very complicated. Like just all the yeah. picking and walking and riffing. Oh, if you look at the tab sheet, I was like, uh, I can't fucking. <laughs> Josh, I know what you're saying. You're saying that like you can pick up the chord sheet and play this song, whereas some songs, you know, yep. you can't. It's an expert positioning. Of the of of basic chords to be able yeah. to do that, you know, and like work you around the whole gamut yeah, of. I do love how, I, and I don't know if you like this, Mike, when you're writing a song, but every verse and chorus comes back to the one. Everything starts on the one. Mm-hmm. Always comes back to the to the G is what I've been playing it in. But and I love when songs because it, it keeps it going. There, he still comes up in the chorus. They're able to still bring it up mm-hmm. and differentiate it. And make it interesting and, and fun, but it, it's still just coming back to a familiar place, and it, it, it helps the flow, I think. Yeah, and I was just gonna say, I'm, I'm sure in my Jim Croce complete easy chord book, it is very easy that I still have 30 years later. <laughs> For me, the most resolved moment is not the one on this song. The one feels wistful. The most resolved moment in the whole song is I've overcome the blow. 
right yeah. on that D. That's my favorite part. Just, that, just the way that just rolls. It, yeah, because you've worked all this tension, it, da, 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 and then it just no. he's overcome it. That's that's true because that next line, I've learned to take it well. It's almost like. He's taking it when he says take mm-hmm. it. If you know what I mean, he's like, I learned to take it well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, like he's got something caught in his throat there. There's yeah, something yeah. in the way that he sings that really, yeah, you feel his whole body and his voice. And well, and the I love the hesitation. Well, I can read the number that you, there's like a hesitation in that line that mm-hmm. just, oof, it really hits. Mm-hmm. And then it leads into there's something in my eye. It's just the flow of this song and how and how it's going is just fantastic yeah it just rolls it's, it's not like the happiest song like uh, um we've already hit on this but i love his his delivery of you can keep the dime it's just it's so like conversational like not the way you were talking about mike but he's just like you can keep the dime <laughs> it's great yeah well that, yeah. that's the other dated thing it's like a lot of people probably don't even know what a dime is anymore right? <laughs> <laughs> all right well mike it's your song what, what's your favorite part about the song <laughs> Ah, my favorite part of the song. It's kind of like what you said. I mean, it's that authenticity of the lyric without being overly verbose. Like, again, I've cited Bob Dylan. It's just he has that specific flourishes lyrically that make you go, oh, this is real. I know what he's talking about. But then he goes back to more broader things and metaphors or just a more simple line and yeah it's just straightforward i can really relate how he's vacillating between his savage lower intellectual beast Uh that once hit feelings on and this intellectual and he keeps vacillating between Mm -hmm. this thing you know and Mm -hmm. and and in the end he makes the right right call Mm -hmm. yeah you know um well put mike uh neil what's your favorite part of this song um, it's it's hard to pick one. Um, I definitely love um, I've Overcome the Blow. Other than that, just the harmonies on um, Isn't That the Way They Say It Goes? Because it's just, it's got it's such a good song already. And then it's like, oof, all this comes in. Like, And it's such a great line. It's the way it goes. And kind of like not necessary, but really add a lot mm-hmm. to it. I could just listen listen to his voice because I just think it's so... There's just a wisdom in his voice that yeah, certainly. It, I don't think it's there for some of the other guys yeah, I think that were him in general. It's not as clean. I think the wisdom is a good call. Like I think that's in a lot of his songs. Yeah. A bit of a shaman. He's like a sixties shaman. Yes. <laughs> beatnik <laughs> beatnik the, shaman. There's a life lived there that I think mm-hmm. was maybe a little rougher than Ta- James Taylor or Jackson Brown or Cat Stevens. Like it, an honesty there that you're like, all right, I trust this guy. This guy is not bullshitting. There's a grit. Yeah. He's talking about fighting in the bars. He's he not seems talking so about blue collar too. You know what I mean? Like, it seems yeah. like yes. he just like took off his apron from cooking hamburgers and was like, "Give me that guitar." Yeah. <laughs> 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 he, just, he just ashed out his cigarette and was like, "Let me, let me, let me play with that for a little bit." A couple, a couple of fun facts uh, about this song. Um, it got to number 17 on the charts. It was the second single off this album, and it stayed there for 12 weeks. Um, it is compared, and at the time and over the years, it's been thought that he may have kind of taken some of this from a Grateful Dead song called of the same name, Operator, from the American Beauty album. Mm-hmm. But that's bullshit because there are recordings of him playing this at bars and shit in like 1966. 
that Operator song came out in 1970. And they're same content, but they are completely different yeah, songs. Yeah, I didn't get like, that. They're both called Operator, yes. <laughs> yeah, It's yeah, funny. Yeah. Operator was the song I just hated when I was, like, really just getting into the dead. I was, you know, yeah, 12, it's, it's, 13. It's not great. <laughs> and then later on, I was like, oh, I, I like it for its, you know, because nobody plays well, it. Well, yeah, now it's just kind of like, oh, yeah, that, that old. I'm not sure I, I'd ever heard it before this week. Um, it's one of the worst dead Can songs. Help me? <laughs> help me if you please. Well, it's a pig pen song. It's a if, really weird. If it sounds song. like that, then I'm glad I, I haven't heard. I it's nothing. It. it doesn't hold a candle. <laughs> well, let, let's let's hold a different candle and uh, and turn it to the vibe time portion of the podcast. And Mike, that gives you your final opportunity to bring us in. So uh, why don't you bring us into the vibe time section in three, two, one. <laughs> that was a good one. That was a good one. That was a good one. Mike, it's your song. Uh, when do you want to hear it? I want to hear this song on my first day off after a streak of work that has prevented me from feeling the feelings that have been inside me since that. <laughs> You've suppressed. You can let them go. Yeah, and now... I, it's finally coming rushing in and I, I need a conduit to help guide me through these feelings. <laughs> take me there. Nice. I'll take you there. Uh, Neil, what about you? When do you want to specifically hear that? When do you want to hear the song? Well, I got a few. I definitely want to learn it. Um, cause it's like I said, I've loved Croce my whole life and that guitar, uh, just the, the way the guitar sounds on his records. Um, so I'd, I'd need to, as a guitar player, I need to learn it. So I want to hear myself play it. And a palatable song for a baby, probably. Yes, certainly, certainly. Yeah, Baby Donovan's going to get a lot of croji. Other than that, it's 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 that YouTube uh, performance I found has gone into my Hall of Fame of like, when you want to show someone what real music is. <laughs> <laughs> the ar- You're talking Orange Shirt, not Midnight Special. I mean, any of them, but Orange Shirt is the cream of the crop, I think. Okay. Okay. Um, nice. I, I, similar to you, Neil, like I, I specifically want to hear this when I grab an acoustic guitar and just want to sit down and listen to it and play along with it and sing along with it. Mm-hmm. That's, mm-hmm. it's such a fun song to play and sing to. I, that's, that's when I want to hear the song and I probably will start doing that, you know, at least a couple times a year. Nice. Um, so speaking of doing it a couple times a year, <laughs> why don't we slide under the influence <laughs> not the covers. <laughs> not, not yet. Not yet. Gotta gotta get under the influence before we get under the covers. Before I get under the covers mm-hmm. with you two animals, um, <laughs> I, I'll start us off here. Like I kind of mentioned, you know, I mean, like it's easy kind of to say like James Taylor, Cat Stevens mm-hmm. are like contemporaries of his, but I think of him more in like the John Prine mold. Yes, for sure. Um, I think that kind of storyteller mm-hmm. is what I think his career would have been mm-hmm. if he would have been alive. Yeah, it's a shame. Um, longer. I also think that his voice, even though it's not country, sounds a lot like Marty Robbins' voice, mm-hmm, you know, the, mm-hmm. the original El Paso singer mm-hmm. down in the West Texas town of El yes, Paso. Yes. Yeah, they just both have that kind of... Well, mm-hmm. well, yeah, both very good and performers. His voice is not as dramatic as Marty Robbins' is, but mm-hmm, it, mm-hmm. It's, it's similar in tone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say moving forward, like... This song specifically, just because of the guitars throughout War on Drugs a little bit. Mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. Tracy Chapman, I hear a lot of her, mm. uh, of Sweet. him and yeah, her yeah. stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I hear that. Um, I have a few uh, just kind of like heartache songs that it reminds me of. Basically, uh, it's too late. And may, 
all of Derek and the Dominoes, all about just sad, lost love. Um, oh, I thought you were going Carol King, it's too late. No, no okay, it's too late, gotcha. she's gone. A little broke down palace, always on my mind, <laughs> Willie. And finally, uh, Boys to Men, End of the Road. <laughs> uh, oh, I think that's the perfect comp. We can just end the pod now. And on that note, Mike's covered. No. On that yeah. note, Happy New Year. Neil's frosted tips have set. <laughs> I had spoken. Mike, what about you? What, do, what does this remind you of before, then, moving forward? I mean, honestly, it's more close to like Peter, Paul, and Mary to me, but I, he's got that like iron worker grit. So I don't know. Like the mm-hmm. music sounds very like lofty, and then he comes in mm-hmm. with this kind of like husk, but then he's got his very sensitive husk. side. So I love husk. it. Yeah. I mean, that, his, that mustache is yeah, husk. Yeah. That's for damn sure. <laughs> <laughs> you know I like uh, a good mustache. But speaking of liking good mustaches, now it's time to get under the covers, fellas. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> and talk about the covers of the song. Neil, why don't you get us started here? Did you have time to listen to any covers? I had a little bit of time. And there's not, I mean, nothing can hold a candle to him, so it's tough to really yeah. listen to any of them. Yeah. Um, the ones I did, I found a version of Seth Avitt doing it, which makes perfect sense. Ah. It was great. Um, and just hearing that Avett Brothers vocal sound sing this song yeah. was just really good. I kind of wish I would have heard that because um, <laughs> ooh, I heard some bad ones. And then um, Wesley Schultz on piano. Um, it was a little boring, but I dug it. It was it was very it was a very nice just because it was it was different on piano, slower. Yeah, and that's about it. I, I was actually surprised when in looking it up how many piano players have uh, adapted you know, to the song. Yeah. And I, I forgot, you know, that there was some versions where they have the piano, like for mm-hmm. kind of forward in the videos and stuff. Well, like and that. the midnight special one, the piano is, uh, is up front. Featured. They, they even... No, I know. It's just, I just forget that sometimes. Cause I always think about the one where it's just the two of them, him yeah. and Maury. That was the one that kind of really affected me more and kind of imprinted. And then, yeah. so I, I was like, I've always felt it for piano, but I didn't realize how essential piano was. Yeah. In well, the inception. I, I obviously can't wait to hear your cover, Mike, but I, I, I do feel like the ones without the guitars, they miss the guitars. And I, ha- I hate the ones that don't, or not, I don't hate them, but I think the ones that don't do the walkdowns kind of leave something out that's important to the song. Mm-hmm. Um, There's something troubadourish about a guitar uh, that more than a stationary, heavy 2,000 pound piano. And there's something troubadourish about a phone book, booth. Yeah. So I, they they go together. Like I've just been walking for 16 miles and I finally got a caller, you know, kind of thing. Like It's true. Yeah. I also think a lot of the covers they just make it too sincere. He's not being sincere. He's just being honest. He's just like operator. Yeah. And and everybody's like operator. You know, it's like, yeah, doesn't need that. It, it, I didn't do that. So I hope you like mine. I didn't send it to you on purpose so that you wouldn't <laughs> So that you wouldn't have any, you know... <laughs> any notions. Okay, okay, yeah. okay. I, it's all a surprise for both I, of I, you. I will mention one for just worse. Like, the big Dutch babies at least tried to do something different, which was... Oh, God, like I, yeah, version. I listened to that, and Ooh. it was rough. I mean, don't, don't try to do kudos. something different with this song. It's like a whacked-out techno version. <laughs> I, I tried to listen to a couple. They were all pretty bad, and uh, Tori Amos's we didn't like... Uh, yeah too slow the uh diana crawl makes no sense but i like the voicing of the piano for myself as a as an instrumentalist her voice how her voice does not no that no that was one of the ones i listened and she changed the gender and like yeah yeah. check out the seth avid that's that's the one well you know what else 
needs genders, boys, are shoes. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> these transitions. <laughs> this brings us to the, the, the shoe fitting portion of the, of the of the podcast. So, Mike, it is your song. How does the shoe fit for? Are you Mama kidding Raider? me? This is a freaking nineteen seventies white Adidas with the little zigzag stripes. Green. <laughs> They're kind of worn out from walking, and uh, okay, you know. okay. Yeah. And, and that's just what they'll do. I got it. Uh, yeah. Neil, what about you? Um, the same. I don't have a specific shoe. It fits very well, but they're worn out. They've seen some shit. It's time to let them go. Get some new shoes. Ah, okay, okay. I like it. You're going with the with the. You're meeting the the lyrical content. Mm-hmm. I, for me, this is like a dirty old cowboy boot, but it like still has a bit of shine, mm-hmm. and and like it gets a look or two when you walk into a bar in blue collar America. <laughs> that would probably be the the best success of this cover, and maybe you should do it, and we could support you. But like. What? Me wearing cowboy boots? A cowboy version because they always use allusions to God anyway because it's bit, they're so, you know, into it. And so, like, so it's like the, the one way I could maybe hear this is here, like a country, like, you know, operator. Like, as a country thing, I take away my need for authenticity all of a sudden. And I, suspension of disbelief is higher. Sturgill? Operator. <laughs> I don't know. Operator. Maybe, maybe like uh, <laughs> no, that, that was more that was more Metallica, maybe. Operator. <laughs> oh, could you help me please? Yes, yeah, call. Cool. Uh, <laughs> okay. And on that note. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, uh, on that note, Mike, it's been a pleasure, man. Thank you for doing this. Yeah. It's been super fun. For everyone, go to Mike's website, michaelrusick.com. He's got some music coming out. He's also gonna be on our forthcoming album for the Kings. Uh, coming out here soon so you get a lot of Mike in your headphones here in 2023 uh but uh, Mike we appreciate you doing this man it was a lot of fun so fun old friends yeah man I'll Let's... come back if you'll have me yeah we'll have you back Absolutely. for sure you're you're great <laughs> I think you should be a uh recurring guest right on excellent. I'm down excellent and on that note Mike's cover of operator that's not the way it feels operator oh could you help me place this call See the number on the matchbook is old and faded She's living in L.A. With my best old ex-friend Ray God, she said she knew well but sometimes hated Isn't that the way they say it goes? Well, let's forget all that And give me the number if you can't find it just to tell her I'm fine and to show Overcome the blow, learn to take it well Only wish my words could just convince myself That it just isn't real But that's not the way it feels Operator, oh could you help me place this call Cause I can't read the number that you just gave me Something in my eyes, you know it happens every time Think about the love that I thought would save me Isn't that the way this it goes? Well, let's forget all that and give me the number if you can't find it So I can call just to tell her I'm fine and to show 
overcome the blow, learn to take it well. Only wish my words could just convince myself that it just isn't real. That's not the way it feels. Operator, let's just forget about this call. No one ever really wanted to talk to. Thank you for your time. Well, you've been so much more than kind. You can keep the dime. But isn't that the way they say it goes? But let's forget all that. Give me the number if you can't find it So I can call just to tell her I'm fine And to show Overcome the blow Learn to take it well Only wish my words could just convince myself That it just isn't real But that's not the way it feels No, that's not the way it feels 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 The cover you just heard was performed by Michael Russick. Uh, you can find Mike at michaelrussick.com to hear his other original music, or to hear his original music. Thanks for listening to Pod Gave Rock and Roll to you. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and rate on Apple, iTunes, and Spotify, or wherever you listen. If you'd like to communicate with us, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram under the handle at podgaverock, or send us an email to what at podgaverock.com. Next week is Neil's week, so Neil, what will we be discussing? Well, this one's been on my list for a while. Um, let's go ahead and do Donovan's Hurdy Gurdy Man. Damn wait! <laughs>